Hello there. Welcome back to The Bleeding Truth. My name is Sally McNally. I'm the Irish midwife. And I'm Bridget, Sally's daughter. This podcast is all about women's health uh, and some of my stories from around the world as a midwife in the labour room and outside. So please like and subscribe if you like our stories and hit the notification bell so you don't miss out on any future episodes. It's completely free and helps us out a lot. Today's episode, we're going to discuss an unusual subject, uh, the subject of death. Yeah, so before we get into it, um, we think that it would be best if we caught up a little bit. It's been way too long since our last episode, um, so we wanted to just share like what has been going on in our lives. Yes. So what have you been up to? <laughs> well, I've been doing my work. I've been working full time, of course, and right. uh, delivering lots of beautiful babies, Uh yeah, my life hasn't changed so much. It's your life that yeah. had a big change. Yeah, I mean, I have moved. I graduated, moved to a different state. I used to live in California. Now I'm in Texas. Yes. And um, so how do you feel about that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sad because now it feels like you're further away and I can't just drive to you, you know. Mm-hmm. I, have to. I know yeah it was yeah. a long drive because we drove here it took it took three days almost full three days of driving yes. to get you know the cars full of stuff here but I think it's worth it yes <laughs> and you brought a little friend with you didn't you COVID <laughs> oh yeah yeah what happened was on top of the move I also got COVID um during that travel period so yeah um, my partner got it tested the day that we were supposed to leave so we stayed back another day and then I tested positive the day we got here and so spent the next week after that you know getting healthy again so it's been a mainly my fault I guess since we haven't posted another episode (laughs) but we're gonna be back to it yeah you're feeling better you're back oh yeah I feel I feel cool completely fine right yeah today actually this morning I tested negative so we're all good (laughs) virtual mommy hug coming virtual hug (laughs) so if we're listening if you're listening to this though uh we will definitely be back on schedule and trying to post a lot more frequently now that I'm settled and you know we'll be able to get those episodes back out Yes, at least one a week, right? That's our goal. Yeah, at least one a week. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Also, I guess with that, um, today we're planning on answering your guys' questions at the end of Sally's stories today. So please stay tuned to the end of the episode if you want to hear some of those, those questions being answered. And on top of that, listener discretion is advised because some of Sally's stories can be a little gruesome. So Listen at your own discretion. <laughs> Sorry about the gruesome parts. Yeah. <laughs> it's your bleeding truth. <laughs> yes, yes. I, well, my bleeding truth about death yeah. um, is that I'm Irish, right? So we uh, usually, you know, uh, think about death in a, in a different way, maybe. Of course, it's sad. We miss our loved ones. But we, we always try to celebrate the person's life. Uh, we do awake, you know, it's called awake. And uh, it was called awake because uh, the person would be 
uh, laid out, done up, cleaned up, placed, you know, laying in a room with all their relatives and all their friends. And somebody was would keep vigil over the dead person mm. until they were buried, just in case they woke up. And that's where <laughs> it came from. <laughs> Typical Irish, but also <laughs> <Just in> it, <laughs> <case>. <laughs> it came during a time when, you know, there was like different diseases, probably tuberculosis and various diseases that they didn't understand completely. And it, maybe the person would look dead, but uh, oh. somehow get better. <laughs> so they wanted to make sure they weren't burying a live person. Wow. But this this wake came uh it, and really it, as a comfort to the people, because instead of just sitting, gazing at the dead body, they would start to talk about the body and the person and celebrate their life. So it, it's now like a, a kind of like a party that the Irish people would, uh, you know, all the relatives would come in, they would view the dead person. And that helps, too, with grieving that when you see that, yes, they're definitely dead, there's no, you know, um confusion in your mind or mm. doubt that they're still alive so it's um it's also really nice that uh, sometimes there's music and dancing i've had a few relatives who've had that at their wake and uh, it it's also very um can be very funny <laughs> like um the, oh the because the dead person is lying there, right? And people come up and they talk to the dead person. And they they tell them, you know, all the great things they remember about them. But sometimes then they might go and have a few drinks and they might remember things that were not so good about them. And they'll come back and they'll tell the dead body <laughs> that too. So it can be very interesting. But yeah, I've been at a few good wakes, all right? Yeah. Um, but of course, when you think about death as a midwife, that's the other end of life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but I see it just as important, like the person leaving their body is very similar to the person like entering their body or, or starting their life with their own first breath. To witness somebody taking their last breath, um, it's a very sacred part of the life journey. So I would never shy away from, you know, attending a death like I would love to attend a birth. If I knew that person, I would um, gladly attend their death. So I've been at a few relatives' deaths. Um, Of course, my own parents. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll tell you about that at the end. But uh, it's a very sacred journey and it feels um, really sad, of course, but also uh, you, you almost feel the person leaving the body. Of course, I've seen um, some people not wanting to leave their body. Like <clears throat> one patient, um, before I became a midwife, I uh, had to work on all the floors as a student nurse. Um, and this uh, floor was the medical floor. And this very old lady was admitted. And really, she was dying. You know, she was... Uh, very very sick we all could tell she you know didn't have long to live and the nuns were very particular about cleanliness right and the Mm. nuns said put her in the bath give her a bath and then we'll um, get the priest up and we'll say prayers and 
get around her. And we were like, give her a bath. She's like almost dying. Uh, and they were like, no, she has to have be clean. Get her, get her in the bath. So the poor old girl, myself and one of my friends, I think it was Mary Whelan that was with me. Um, we, we put uh, the old lady in the bath and we were singing to her to try and cheer her up. And uh, lo and behold, the poor girl died in the bath. And then we had to try and get her out of the bath. And of course, she was gone and we were trying to get her out. And uh, she kept slipping back in and because we had her all soapy at this stage. And the poor old thing, it was it was not a good thing, but it turned into a funny thing because then one of the other nurses came running in to help us and she slipped on the wet floor and nearly fell into the bath with the old lady. So that made me and Mary Whelan start laughing. And I I would hope that that old lady would have seen the humour around her death and hope that, you know, she was probably a funny person and that this was exactly what she would have loved, the, the laughter of these young Irish nurses. But we did manage eventually to get her out and into the bed. But that old lady stayed with me, you know, and it mm-hmm. helped me to get over death as a young nurse. And then I remember another lady, um, she was dying and she all her family were around her and uh, they were saying prayers, rosary, you know, the rosary beads were there and there was the sound of praying all the time. But we would have to go in every few hours to turn the patient and, right. you know, change her underwear and her pamper and stuff. Um, and we went in this time and she was all wet. So we decided we would put a, a new nightgown on her um, and we, the, the relatives went outside and as we were changing her, she started having these, you know, chain stokes breaths. They're, they're the last few breaths that a person takes. Sometimes they can go for hours. This lady, I could tell she was leaving her body. And oh. I was pulling her nightdress down around her and her little head came out. And she all of a sudden reached both arms up around me and got me into this tight hug. And I could hear her breath. And I was saying to the other nurse, get the relatives, get the relatives, because I wanted them to have this last hug. But she she wouldn't let go. And I could hear her beside my head the last few breaths. Just as the relatives came in, she left her body. And, you know, it's like uh, you would hate your relative to miss the birth, right? Yeah. Like, where are they? Are they in Jack in the Box? Could they please get here so that they witness you know, the baby being born. And that to me, that she stayed with me too for a long time because she was didn't want to go. I felt that she was like, no, I don't want to go. I'm scared. She wasn't saying that, but that's what it felt like, you know. Wow. Whereas yeah. the other old lady in the bath, she was like full of this kind of humor about her, whereas this, this lady did not. It uh, was very sad. Um, oh, and then I had yeah. another patient um, that stayed with me. Like I've seen a, a good few patients, of course, die. Right. Um, but these are the ones that are still in my my memory. Um, this was a doctor who was a patient himself and he was dying. Uh, it was probably lung cancer. Um, but every uh, few hours, his his airways would fill up with this thick, thick mucus um, and he'd start, you know, drowning in his own body fluids. And it was 
he was dying, but it was taking a long time, like days and days. <clears throat> and every time I'd come to the bedside, I'd have to clear his airway with a big suction uh, oh. tube. And he was trying to fight me and say he didn't want it. But once his airways were cleared, then he could talk to me. Um, and he asked me to give him morphine, that he, and more morphine than he, he was getting. He was getting morphine for pain. He, he asked me to give him double the dose or he was asking me to euthanize him, right? Yeah. To, to end his life. And I was telling him I couldn't do that. There's no way I could do that. Um, and he was so sad and he was he sometimes he would get mad with me and he would use his last little bit of breath. To talk about that, like we clear his airways and he'd say, Sally, I need you to do this for me. Do this for me. Don't want this. And it wow. was very, very difficult for me as a young nurse, you know, yeah. so um uh, of course, I didn't do that. I, there was no way I would do that. But, You'd get um, in trouble if you did that. But This night, yeah. yeah, this night, he was very, very adamant that that's what he wanted. And I'm not a religious person at all. Um, but I, I saw on his bedside um, a little prayer book. Um, and I just picked it up. And he was like, I don't want this anymore. I don't want to live. Please help me. And I started to read the uh, the prayers out of his prayer book uh, and he went really quiet and uh, then I ran out of prayers because it was only a small little prayer book so I started saying the Our Father um, and he started to smile and uh, he started to smile and he looked over at me and he said thank you thank you so much and uh, then I left the room, but when I came back an hour later, he was gone. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So I, he stayed with me because I felt like um, he found some kind of peace, you know, at the end. There was the struggle was gone. Maybe he knew he was going to to die and that he didn't have to, like, fight to die anymore. Uh, but that was very sad. <clears throat> but. I know that being a nurse, we all, you know, come across, you know, the the so personal moments of a person's life, like mm -hmm. their death. Um, and it, it's really, you know, um, it's important that we don't miss it, that we're witness to that. Uh, so, of course, I've seen people die. Uh, I, I have one death in my mind that I wish I could forget. Um, and that death is from um, uh, an event I saw in Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was there for a few years and very confident in myself, kind of thought I looked like a, a Saudi woman when I put my scarves and my yashmak on. I thought nobody would know the difference. Um, and uh, this day I decided I was going to go down to the uh, the city into the inner city to uh, get a particular gift I was going to get gifts I think for my mother I was going home soon and I wanted to go to these place called the gold souks they're little shops lined with gold and um, it was really uh, a, a really interesting place to be but in my mind I was just thinking I'm going to go in there I'm going to get her a nice necklace and I'm going to get back home so uh, I got the driver, the driver 
you know, he would come and bring us mm-hmm. down. And he was like, are you alone? And I was like, I'm meeting my friends. I remember lying to him because mm. um, you're not supposed to be alone, right, as a, as a young woman. So off I went. I just wanted to go in, get this and get back home. I thought I'd be like 20 minutes at the most. But I'm wandering along with my yashmak and my covered up. And um, all of a sudden I come down this street uh, uh, where there's all this shouting. I'm like, what on earth must be going on there? And as I'm walking, I realize, wait a minute, it's Friday. This is Friday. This is the day that they do public punishments. Um, And I had actually wandered into the area where they do public punishments. The souk that I wanted to get to was on the other side of this. And I'm walking thinking, oh, they must be doing public punishments. And I thought to myself, should I keep going or should I go back? So I stopped and I looked and then I looked back and the driver was gone from where I got out of the car. And um, so I thought I'll I'll walk around it. But as I was walking around it, this woman talked to me and I answered in what I thought was Arabic. I mm. thought she said something like, you know, uh, who are you? And I, my Arabic wasn't good, you know, it was like pidgin Arabic. And immediately she knew and she started wailing and screaming that we have one, we have one. And I'm like, we have one. Um, and suddenly I was rushed by these three women around me and they pushed me in and they're telling everyone we have one we have one so I guess it was they had a westerner and it was a great thing to show the westerner how they did their public punishments now if any Saudi friends are listening um you know that this is the truth you know that this is how it happened so um uh, there was a hand up at the back here grabbing my hair and that pulled my scarf off. And of course, I had blonde hair and oh. um, the, the ashmak came off. They were grabbing my hair really tight and pulling my head like this. And uh, suddenly I'm out in the front right there at the square. And there's this poor man kneeling um, and uh, there was somebody telling about his crimes uh, and I I was too terrified to even try to understand what was being said. I was thinking, how am I going to get out of this? And um, they were making a big deal that they had this Westerner right up at the front and she was going to witness uh, this beheading, right? Um, because his crime was so bad and he this was the punishment. It wasn't until later that I heard he had um, done some armed robbery. That was his crime. Um, so this this was just for a few moments, but it was so terrifying. And I, I didn't speak anymore because I thought I can't speak. Uh, it's going to, you know, make it things worse. Um, and the, the woman beside me, she was just like squeezing my head and shaking my head and telling Jesus. me if I if I broke the rules, this is how we deal with with people when they break the rules. And and you watch and you watch. And she was holding my head like that. And I looked up as just as they pushed the man forward um, onto like a big block 
thing and they had him kind of leaning over this thing and his hands were tied um, and there was two men with two a sword each a big sword just like a regular big old shiny sword and one came behind him and he kept on fighting and saying no and trying to pull himself back like this so the one behind him came and took the sword and rammed it up his bottom right and it had immediately made the man go straight out like this and the other one came down and chopped straight off and I was right there so his head rolled off and the blood then splurted out and it squirted onto my black habaya and onto my feet. Oh my god! Yeah, and onto the shoes. I could, I and I just was looking down at that, and um, there was a big cheer came up from the crowd. They were so happy about this. They were so pleased um, that this criminal had, you know, met his end like this. Wow! Uh, but like immediately they started moving on to the next person. You know, uh, whatever the next person had done um but I'd never lifted my head I just kept looking down at my feet and the the woman was just so pleased you know that uh, I had witnessed it and uh and I just started to back out I didn't turn or turn around I just backed out and backed out and backed out and just kept looking at my feet and uh somehow they just let me move off then wow and I I, uh, of course, went back and just waited for the car, uh, looking at my feet. Um, I didn't feel that man's spirit, like, leave the way the other the other people that I remember. You yeah. know, it was so violent. It was the m- most violent thing I've ever witnessed. It really, like, it, it sounds like something you, you watch in the movies, right? Yeah. And, and of course, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, it's like, how could that happen to you? But how could I have been so silly, too, to let it happen? I mean, I knew that on Friday mornings, this is, you know, what would happen uh, down in the square. But I was distracted with life and planning to get home to Ireland for a visit. And, and I hadn't been home for quite a while. But I don't think I spoke for a few days after that. I was like, I couldn't bring the, the words you know, right. I had to, and I couldn't tell anybody what I had done um, because everyone would be like, you broke the rules. You're not supposed to do that. You know, it's so dangerous um, because just being a female on my own was breaking the law, you know. So that's my how, most <clears throat> gruesome story about death. How do you feel like recovery for yourself took after that? You said you didn't speak for a few days, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a really good question, Bridge. Uh, I think that I haven't really 100% recovered from mm-hmm. that because every now and then if I hear of, you know, um, hostages being beheaded in, you know, Middle East countries and stuff, I immediately see that in my mind, you know. Um, yeah, I'm kind of like not uh, for the death penalty. Uh, I could kind of hear his voice kind of like trying to bargain and and negotiate his way out of it. And it was like such a hopeless situation for him. Yeah. 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 And there was nothing I could have done to help him. And I was terrified for my own life. I felt like, oh, if I do anything, you know, what could you have done in a situation like that? It would have been laughable. 
you know, to to say, wait, let's talk about this, you know, this like it just couldn't happen. Yeah, I mean, plus with that cultural, yeah, everybody cheering, right? Like, yeah. But that that I'm not the only person that's happened to. You know, I've heard of that happening um, to really? you know other Westerners too. It's, um, but over there, like public punishment is a big uh, deal. Um, Who's doing the punishing? Well, there's the Matawa is the religious police, okay. uh, but he's like a priest, but he's leads the, you know, the <clears throat> police force that go around to enforce these laws. Um, and uh, like a few times we were in like the mall over there and the mall would be beautiful. Everything is like gorgeous and all of the designer shops and clothes and shoes and mm-hmm. bags, everything's like so fancy. Um but then you might hear over the, the loudspeaker, come to such and such an area to witness the public punishments. And then we'd look over the edge, like the barrier, if you were like up on a higher level and right down at, at like the the middle of the mall, there might be a few men who were being beaten right there in front of everyone because they were looking at women. Oh, wow. I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen that twice where they denounce it and everyone would look and how interesting, look at that. They're beating them because they were, they were like following women or looking at women. Wow. Uh, so that, yeah, that, that would uh, definitely keep, keep them in line. Right. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they chop off your hands if you're a thief. Right. And the idea is that you eat with your right hand. They, at least when I was over there, that's the way it was, that you would clean your bottom with your left hand and you would never eat with the hand that you would clean your bottom with. So they would chop off the right hand and the person then couldn't eat and starve to death, I guess. Um, But we saw one poor guy, he had both hands chopped off. We were like, what's that all about? They must have figured out he was left-handed, right? (laughs) I don't know. Um, but you but, did have uh, that other good story. Well, not good story, but the story of where you saved the lady's hand, right? Yes, so, right. I'll link, yes. I'll link that, yes. that episode here. Too. Oh, yes. Thanks, Bridget. Yes. That public punishment that those girls um, nearly uh, had. Uh, yeah, that was so awful. Uh, but then also they stone people to death. Um, I didn't actually witness a stoning, but I know of one girl who went missing. Um, and she was a young Filipino girl uh, who got pregnant by her boss. Um, and she claimed that he raped her. Um, and that's how she got pregnant. Um, but they blamed her uh, so they stoned her to death. And the way they would do that, they would like dig a kind of a hole and lay the person tied up in the hole and then actually dump a truckload of rocks on top of them. They used to tie them and throw rocks at them, but that takes a long time, right? So the, the more modern way when I was there was to... Was she a nurse? She wasn't, no. Oh. She worked in like an office. Um, but some of her friends told me about this her. that happened to her when she was pregnant too yeah that's that horrible insane. i know i know now i don't know if they're still doing that right this was yeah. how long ago 
that was 30 years ago. Yeah, you were there yeah. early 90s, I think, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, so so death is an interesting subject. Um, and if you, yeah. I was just going to say, before moving on, why why is it important to you to to talk about those specific stories now? Thanks for that question. Uh, because they're in my mind, you know. Um, mm-hmm. When I think about death, that's what comes up. Right. You know, it's like when I think about my own death, I'm not afraid of my own death. I'm kind of looking forward to it. I'm kind of like, I wonder what that's like, you know. It's kind of, it, I, I envision it like kind of like jumping out into this big, you know, um, space. You know, I kind of like would, of course, like to jump into the space with my loved one, Johnny. <laughs> the two of us could jump out in the same moment. <laughs> but um, I, I, I'm not afraid of it because I've seen so many peaceful deaths as well. Uh, and I think being Irish, that helped, that's helped me. Um, because mm. like uh, the wake, right. the, you know, the celebration of life. But also I got to attend my parents' deaths. Right. Um, and my mother, she was such a gentle, kind woman, just and she had such a gentle, kind death. It was just perfect for her. Um, she she died just a few years ago and I was lucky enough that I got to get back home to Ireland in time. And uh, she, in the lovely little um, old folks home that she was in, the rooms all looked out into, you know, beautiful grassy fields and little rolling hills and it was just so such a nice place and the staff were so kind to her but we all got to be there with her and her six daughters all around her praying um and I remember um we'd go to sleep and then we'd wake up and talk to her and stroke her hand or her forehead and um but then um I fell asleep and then I remember one of my sisters saying, Sally, Sally, it's time. And as I woke up to, to go to her, you know, um, it reminded me of a birth. It's time. Mm. And so many times I've said that to women, you know, as they're just about to, to birth their babies. It's time. So um, sorry. It's OK. But it was really nice because... Uh, we we were all around her saying her favorite prayers, her rosary that she taught us all as little kids, you know. And um, and then she had this beautiful, gentle, just just left her body, and we all felt so happy for her. It was really really nice. Um, and my father, of course, he was such a wonderful man, and his his death was very similar. Uh, all of us around him saying his favorite prayers, um, talking to him. And and I I remember when he went to die, I, I got to like be very close to his ear and I knew I knew it. He was leaving. I'd been sitting there watching him all night. I knew these were the last few breaths. And I got to say into his ear, Daddy, you're the best father, the best husband in the world. We love you so much. And then he was gone. And I'm like, wow, that's so it's it's such a great memory. And I encourage everybody to if they get the chance to be at their loved one's death, 
just like they want to be at their loved one's births, be at the death. It's very, very precious, you know, sacred moment. But um, in Ireland, of course, then we open the window. Uh, we try not to stand in front of the window, between the open window and the, the dead person to allow the spirit to leave. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's a, um, and then we close the window after a few hours, just in case they want to come back. No. <laughs> but um, my father died uh, the night, um, the, a day or two before Halloween. Right. So we had, we had his wake on Halloween night. Um, and he was all laid out there. He was. He was glorious, you know. That's all how I always saw him. He's like such a wonderful person. Um, but it, he would have loved it. He would have just loved it because all evening there was these little kids knocking on the door. Help the Halloween party. We don't say trick or treat over there. Help the Halloween party. And they were dressed <laughs> like little ghouls. And I, I think somebody said, look over there. And some of the kids said, oh, Look at your man lying there. He really does look dead. But he was. He was at a wake. It was my father's wake. Oh but then my God. We, we brought him to the to the church, you know, that night. We got, got around his um, coffin and we sang his favorite song. You know, we always want to put something in the coffin with the with the dead person, you know, something special, a, a poem, a flower, a song. Um, so uh, we sang his favorite song to him and then we, he went into the hearse and he everyone loved my dad you know that knew him but um the the uh the hearse uh was beautiful really old and uh the guy that owned the hearse business um knew my father so well so he wanted to be involved and he was there in his uh you know outfit with the top hat and tails and he was walking slowly in front of the car um and it it was a halloween night right and uh, then the two cars were coming down the road really slowly with this guy walking in front of you know the car so it looked like a halloween show almost yes and there was like little kids running here and there with their you know um halloween outfits and I often thought my father would have loved that. Yeah, he yeah. would have loved that. Yeah, he would have got a good laugh out of that. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, I'm happy to say I don't see, you know, too many babies die. Yeah. Uh, the area that I work as a midwife, it's all mostly joyous, happy life coming into the world. Um, and I love that. But I have seen my share of dead babies as well. You know, babies that came in that were born stillbirth for various reasons. It could be something simple like a knot in the cord or the placenta uh, abrupted and and came away too early. You know, and, and sometimes that's just heartbreaking. You see this perfectly beautiful uh, big baby, you know, and uh, it, it's just heartbreaking. So and now, of course, if there's like a dead baby, I kind of like feel like I don't ever want to see another one. I feel like there's enough in in my memory. That yeah. I don't ever want to see it again, of course. <clears throat> but um, but uh, we we always try to 
uh, help the mom and the, the father or the, the partner. Um, and uh, they they usually want to hold the, the baby and, you know, stay with the baby. And, you know, there's uh, people in place to, like, help them with that. Uh, there's in the hospital where I work, there's um, a grieving committee that they actually get together and decide what's the best way to do this and to help the parents cope. That's so great. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. Yeah. yeah. I think when I when I think about death, because I have luckily not witnessed any. Yeah. But when I think about it, it all my first thought always goes to the family. And if it's a hard, hard death, then, you know, just thinking about how uh, much pain it is for the the loved ones, right? Right. That's always the hardest part for me to get Mm -hmm. over. Yeah. Well, if you're at my death in the future, (laughs) let's have fun. Let's make it into something fun. Play some Pink Floyd or something for me and. Make sure and open the window. Let me. Oh God! Get out you're gonna there. have to write a list. Because <laughs> I, I, I see it like I'm going to be diving out into this <laughs> infinite possibilities. Not yet. You know, I, I studied a bit of Buddhism. Mm-hmm. You know, and I really like the idea of reincarnation. <laughs> it's great. Can you imagine coming back? And uh, that was your great wonderful life they had lived a full life and then you get to do it again well and you get to do it better the next time that is that is how it is kind of yeah but you because if you die and become part of the earth then yeah the same molecules that made up you are gonna make up other things you're just not gonna be the one thing in a different form you're gonna be in all these other forms maybe you'll be a mushroom in the grass you don't know (laughs) i love that i hope i'm a magic mushroom oh you would definitely be a magic mushroom (laughs) (laughs) but that's the physical part what about the spiritual part what about that that yeah yeah so interesting isn't it yeah but i'm not afraid of it yeah and I don't want you to be afraid of it either. Last time we were together, we were talking about green burials too. Do you remember? Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I want to be a tree. Yeah. You can be planted as a, like yeah. a tree pod. <laughs> Johnny wants to be a bench. He wants to, <laughs> he wants to put a bench in the park with our name on it so that you can go there with your kids. Do it. Okay, how about a bench and I'll be a tree beside the bench. Okay. <laughs> if that's possible, yeah. Yeah, well, we have two Maybe questions. That's... Oh, oh, okay. So All we right. can get to our questions, questions now. Um, yeah. But I just wanted to say I, I knew this episode was coming and I feel like mm-hmm. I was almost avoiding it too because yeah. some of those stories are really gruesome. But I think it's also gracious almost the way that you're you're sharing about the stories and I like how you um just put your your own experiences out there so I'm proud of you you. (laughs) 
Thank you, Bridget. <laughs> I'm trying to just tell you my bleeding truth. Yes. Uh, what I can remember of yes. it. Yes. I'll probably be in bed tonight thinking, oh, I should have told her about that patient. And then we'll do it in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> but um, since we've been gone, uh, we've gotten like almost a backlog of little questions. So thank you guys also for for sending those in. And we're going to catch up now, try to do a couple more in each episode. So we have two for, for this one. And also, if you want to send in a question, we'll put that link in the description below as well. So this first one is from Brendan. Brendan. I think Brendan Henready could be wrong. So he says, <laughs> Saludos, Sally and Bridget. The podcast is amazing and so funny and interesting to hear about your parents and the family from a cousin's perception, the Aww. stone garden that was transformed into a piece of heaven. What do you attribute your desire for continued education and adventure to? I can hear so much of Pat in the way the stories are told. <laughs> Hope to see you soon. All the best, Brennan. Oh, that's great. Thanks so much, Brendan. Love you. Uh, well, of course, I, I was the youngest in the family and um, they maybe let me have a little more freedom than if I was the oldest one. Uh, so I I got to like hang out with all my older sisters and, you know, go to movies with them and their boyfriends and stuff uh, way before they would have been, you know. So I had a lot more freedom. And then that developed into like a sense of like, what's next? What's next? What can I see? What can I do? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I... I love to uh, see new places and eat new food and hear new languages and handle new currency. And it just like, it's like magic to my mind. I I, I want to um, keep doing that as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so not done yet. There's lots more adventures <laughs> to be had. Yeah. But the studying, um, I, I really wanted to like... Uh, keep going to to see where I could get with it but also I think it helps my mind like when I saw my my poor darling mother uh with uh dementia and Alzheimer's yeah uh that was really really sad for me and I was thinking well maybe that's going to happen to me um and I was talking to a doctor about it once and he said well, maybe you should use your brain cells like a muscle to keep on making them work to to see if uh, that could stave off the, the dementia for a few years. <laughs> but I, there's a lot more things I could really focus on and learn. Like I want to learn how to play the guitar. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, there's a few things like that, that yeah. I want to do. To, to like make the brain cells work. What also happened was you were a midwife when you were in Ireland. And then yes. when you came to the United States, the degree of like schooling didn't transfer, right? So you were an RN yes. nurse here, but you weren't a qualified yeah. midwife for what, like 20 years? Right. Yeah. That's exactly what happened. Thanks, Bridget. Um, the recruiters that brought me over to America they told me, oh, you, we, we need RNs, not midwives, and you can just do your midwife next year, uh, your midwife work next year. But then when I got here, that's, that was the case. The, the education needed tweaking, and it was, wasn't good enough, I guess, for, 
for the degree here because I hadn't gotten a bachelor's first. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Um, so then I had to, I, I was happy enough to be in RN. I loved that job. Um, and you came along. So that kind of was a different focus for me for many, many years. Um, but then uh, when you didn't need me so much, I went back to school, got my bachelor's, got right. master's, we, couple of master's. We went to college, started on the first day together. We both started yes. college on the first day or yeah. the same day. But For for midwifery. Well, yeah. yeah, for midwifery for you and then... yeah. Um, Obviously, me just going. To but college. America's wonderful for that. Like, all you have to do is like think, hmm, what do I want to do and be? And there's a way. <laughs> you just, you know, Google it, and all of these different colleges will have different ways. Like, uh, there was part of the education um, that I needed to to advance to the bachelor's, um, and. I was like, what? I don't want to go back and, you know, do microbiology and um, writing. I think it was English writing and stuff. So there was a challenge exam that I could do called CLEP, C-L-E-P. So I found a, a few of those classes. I just went and read a book and challenged it and I passed. And I was like, yay, keep going, keep going. And there's a, there's a way if anyone's listening to this and they're thinking, oh, I wish I had done such and such I'm really old and I if I can do it you can do it you know just get get uh, googling on you know what the path is and then take that first step you know it might be 10,000 steps but it, it'll be less if you'd start a few steps mm -hmm. just get those steps behind you yeah yeah and Brendan will go far I know he's <laughs> not done yet I have no doubt he's already back in the book studying something else. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, he's wonderful. Hi. <laughs> That's to Brendan. Yes. And then uh, we have one more question. I don't know who this one is from, but they're they're saying, how do you foster such an amazing, open and honest mother-daughter relationship? Oh, it's the breastfeeding. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's, I don't know. I How do we do it? Do we? We're just really lucky. <laughs> yeah, I think. And, well, well, <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> well, I think I've matured more, which has helped. <laughs> I've, I mean, when I look back, probably high school time, we, I don't think we had that type of a relationship. Yeah. But yeah. um, we never had like a bad relationship, luckily. I know. Yeah. We're so lucky. Because yeah. I don't have any siblings. So for me, it's always been just you guys. And, mm -hmm. you know, family's mainly in Ireland. So right, I'm used yeah. to only having my parents. Right. Uh -huh. Well, and somebody gave me great advice when you were maybe about 10 or 11 and they had teenagers mm. and they said, Sally, make sure that when she's a teenager, you've got to remain her friend, stay her friend, no matter what. Always let her know that you love her, no matter what. And I, that always stuck with me, you know. And um, You were easy to get on with. Oh, my gosh. Was I was I? the grumpy one. I was the grumpy one. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's <laughs> say that. <laughs> I don't think I was ever, like, very bad. 
But um, yeah, I think. Thank you. For now. Thank you for that. (laughs) Blame it on you. (laughs) Um, I think where we are now, this podcast has helped. Yeah. And you know what else is helping too? I I mean, my job, uh, I speak to young women all the time about their lives and their, you know, private life, their, you know, contraception, their sex life. You know, all of these things are like naturally for me to just talk about. Mm -hmm. And I just talk to you about everything. Just, yeah. Uh, And if anybody is a conservative one, you're probably more conservative than me. Uh, that's true. I probably am. <laughs> Sometimes you're like, don't say that. <laughs> you're all shocked. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. true. But um, yeah, I think I think we, what's funny is how we talk here is pretty much the same as how we talk yeah. anyways, except probably yeah. less jokes. <laughs> Because yeah. that's what one of the other reasons it took us a while to record another one is I was home for a week with you. Yeah. And we had all these right. plans. We're like, we're going to record yes. an episode a day and have them all ready. <laughs> but we, when we're in the same room, we kind of just goof off. Yeah. And not, not get serious enough or just yes. take a nap. So give each other back rubs. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that, that happened instead we actually do the podcast better when we're making it a little more official but yeah (laughs) okay but thanks thank you whoever asked that question thank you for noticing that you know we do have a good open back and forth yeah yeah and i love it i love it yeah me too all right i think you're really interesting (laughs) i think you're really interesting (laughs) well I love to get to hang out and I mean I do love this because these are you know the stories that I've heard or kind of heard briefly but you know without the podcast to make us sit down and talk about them sometimes you never really get around to talking about that because you don't want to it's a hard topic so I feel like I get to know you better okay that's (laughs) all right so if you're listening Thank you so much. Please like and subscribe to the Bleed and Truth podcast and share it with anybody that you know. Hopefully they'd be interested as well. And I will see you in the next one. Yeah, lovely to think that you're out there, uh, friends. And thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Thanks a million. Thanks a million. Sham. Say hello, Seamus. Seamus, look at your sister. Say hi to Bridgie. <laughs> <laughs>